I love so much about what God has done in us and the new life that he's given us is that it says that he takes away the way that we used to think, the way that we used to be, and he gives us something new. And he specifically says that he didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of a sound mind. You see, we serve the God who nothing is impossible for. We serve the God who comes and walks with us through every trial that we go through. And so in every situation that we find ourselves in, regardless of how impossible it looks, regardless of how much pain we might go through, regardless of what the cost might be, our God still gives us power and he gives us a sound mind that isn't timid, that isn't scared, but recognizes that our God sits on the throne and that he has all power, all authority, and all dominion is his, that he has a name that is above every name in this age and in the age that is to come. And so, Father, this morning, we pray that you would continue the renewing of our minds. Jesus, we pray that you continue to pour out your strength and your power into us. It says that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that the very power of God is inside of us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now resides inside of the heart of every believer. And so we pray that the way that we think, the way that we view life, the way that we view every situation that we find ourselves in, comes with the understanding of your power, your authority, and what it is that you have poured out into us. Jesus, this evening, would you come? God, we want to have an encounter with you. We want to be changed. Father, we want you to speak something to our hearts. We want you to stir something up inside of us tonight, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you are all here tonight. Why don't you turn around and say hey to someone before you take a seat. Court. Am I? Okay, hey, I'm glad that you guys all came out today. You braved 94, you braved the Huron Road detour, you braved that flash flood thing that we had going on. And it is going to be well worth your time because tonight we have uh, one of my heroes of the faith. I have a couple people that I really look up to that are still living, and I'm so glad that Abraham is with us. <laughs> but it's always easy to think of someone as a hero in the faith when they're dead and gone and you never get to meet them, you just read about their exploits. But it's something else when you get to meet them in the flesh and you get to see them for who they really are. And Abraham has been uh, a, such a good friend. He's been a supporter of Radiant Church, which is an amazing thing to me. He came to me before we launched, and uh, he was speaking in Kalamazoo, and I was Pastor Lee's assistant. And uh, he found out I was planning a church, so he came up and he's like, Jeremy, I want to be your first missionary. And so that's pretty good. And I said, all right, that's all you got to do around here. You're art. You're hired. But he came out the first time, we had, what, 20 people in my living room, and he came all the way out uh, to visit us and to speak to us and to impart something to us. So uh, he certainly isn't in this for the money because he's certainly not getting that here. But he just came out because he has a heart for what God is doing, not just in his own nation, but all over the place. Uh, so as he comes to the this, this stage area here, would you give a big welcome to Pastor Abraham? Did I do anything wrong? Well, 
We don't want that big pulpit. That looks too intimidating. Nah. I suddenly look like a priest. Huh? <laughs> well, hallelujah. I'm so pleased that you're here because I came a long way, you know, all the way from India to Ann Arbor. And if you were all staying home, that will be pretty heartbreaking. But most of you are here. Some of them couldn't make it. God forgive them. What do you think? <laughs> such a joy to be here and see Jeremy uh, doing well. And uh, we have been praying for Jeremy ever since he was going to have the operation and all that. And we have been praying all the time. And uh, so good to see you. And I thank God for God answering our prayers. Amen. Isn't it amazing that God is a prayer-answering God? Amen. Somebody said uh, prayer is like a telephone call with nobody on the other side. Well, I said, no, 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 you just got mistaken. I said, our, our prayer is like not a call with nobody on the other side, but it is like a hotline. All you need is you pick up the phone and he's there. You don't even need to dial, you know. Uh, when the President of the United States wants to talk to the President of Russia, they don't go through the operator. They don't punch the numbers. They pick up the line as a hotline straight through. Amen? That is our prayer. We pick up the phone. He they say, what do you want? Get the Jeremy out, please, quickly. <laughs> we need him. Amen? And uh, he was right. I just put my application as a first missionary of this church, and I want to stay like that. Do you like it? Yeah. If you don't, well, too bad I am. <laughs> I'm staying. <laughs> I have got no plans of leaving. I was looking at this church every time. The second time I'm here in this church, and I'm thinking this is a good church for the Radiant. You know, the nice building. <clears throat> so whenever I say something like that, we get it normally. <laughs> so it might happen. Hallelujah. Well, our God is a good God. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. And our God has been a good God to us because he's good to everyone. And uh, he has taken care of us. He's been with us. Uh, his hand was upon our life. And we thank God for all his goodness and mercy towards uh, us and the work and the nation of India. Well, Last year, the end of last year, I completed 40 years of ministry. Amen? That's not bad for a 35-year-old guy, don't you think? <laughs> and uh, I still remember, at the age of 21, I resigned my job. I was working in a pharmaceutical company called Seba Gaigi. The Lord called me for the ministry, he messed my life, and uh, so I had to resign my job. I left my home uh, with a shoulder bag full of tracts and my Bible. I still remember walking out onto the road. And uh, I'm, a, I'm the only son among five sisters. Well, to have five girls in your family means you're broke. 
you know my father was bankrupt even before he started you know because you had to pay dowry for your your girls your daughters and i'm the only hope and my life was all messed up but jesus was gracious he saved me and i had a very decent job and and here i was trying to help my father uh, to get my sisters married one by one but before anything could happen the lord called me for the ministry he he wanted me to resign my job he won't allow me to keep it and i suddenly realized that in the natural i was uh, uh, i was letting down my father because i was supposed to help him and here i am going to this so called ministry with no money in my hand so i said to god before i left home i said god you are asking me to resign my job you are asking me to go to this ministry i got no clue what it is supposed to be but i'm leaving home and i said i will never come back to my home i will never come back to my mother saying i'm hungry i will never come back to my dad saying that i don't have any money so that's what i decided and i never came back but i lived on the streets i slept in front of the shops went without money walked 15 20 miles every day not that i liked walking but because i didn't have the few pennies to pay for my bus fare went without food starving for five days and my greatest miracle in those days was to have something to eat so that's what it was and that's how i started as i said i didn't know how to preach so nobody invited me to preach even now i wonder whether i can preach anyway <laughs> that's your problem right i'll say anything that i like and i get out and uh, So the only thing I knew was handing over the tracks and smiling at the people and telling them that Jesus loves them. And uh, so that's where all I began. And God was saying, go and evangelize the nation of India. But that's pretty easy. 620 million people back in 74, right? Today we have got 1.25 billion people, right? and the land of diversity we speak 22 major languages when i say major is not a dialect it's a fully written language like english we got over 1000 dialects you know every state is like a country every state speaks a different language and a land of idol worship they worship 330 million gods and goddesses you know a land that is so hostile against christianity you know uh, so many persecutions in the churches in india i've been beaten up several times in my life i was left in the bush unconscious they thought that i was dead they tried to drown me in the river when i was baptizing the people they pulled their guns shut me in the room put the guns on my head and threatened that i should never preach jesus again so i said take your gun off the gun won't go because i'm not ready to die Amen. Because I always believe that my life is in God's hands. Every one of ours. Amen. And nothing will happen to our life until God says it's time. Do you know that? And uh, so I used to tell the guys, you can break my arms, you can break my bones, you can put some pain in my body, but that's about it all. 
as far as my life is concerned, is pretty well safe in God's hands. And I'm planning to hang around here as long as Lord wants me to be here. And one day, God might say, hey, after all, you didn't do a bad job. Thank you very much. Come home. If he ever says that to me, I promise you, I will never ask for an extension. <laughs> Who wants to hang around this lousy place anyway? Amen? But as long as God wants me to be here, I'll be here preaching the gospel. So 40 years of my ministry. Started off on the streets, street meetings. I saw God's miraculous power being manifested. People got healed, blind eyes opened, lame walked. Demons cast out, people gave their hearts to the Lord. And people were transformed. And the first church was established. And here, 40 years later, I'm standing before you tonight. And I was able to start more than 4,000 churches right across the nation of India. <clears throat> well, that's not bad for your first missionary, don't you think? And so we have got 4,000 churches in India. We have got churches in 24 states. We've got 28 states in India. And out of that, we've got churches in 24 states. Go through everywhere. I'll sit with the people traveling in the train. You know, some friends will be sitting with me. And, oh, I've got a church over there. Oh, I got a church over there. The train keeps on going. And here I am. I got church almost everywhere. Amen? And we continue to grow. We grow about 250 to 300 churches every year. And uh, God is doing marvelous work. We've got 17 orphanages looking after more than 400 children. And uh, I wanted to bring them all to make them to stand before you and ask you to support them, but we, that, that the airfare is too high. So I left them behind, but I brought some of their photographs with me. We need $30 to support an orphan in India. I ask you to give me a dollar a day. What can you with a dollar in this country? Nothing. And, but that money will change the life of a child in India. So several of you in this church support me and the work. And I want to give a big thank you to every one of you who supports pastors and support orphans and give for the work. And I thank you on behalf of every one of them, on behalf of my family and my wife and children and the orphans. Thank you so much. But if some of you are not supporting, well, sorry that you came because I'm asking you to support us. <laughs> and so we need your help. And um, so we've got 15 Bible schools in different languages, training up hundreds of young men to go into the ministry. We have got 65 sewing schools for destitute women. If you are a wife in India, if you give your hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, your husband will almost beat you to death and he will throw you out of the house. That's what will happen to you. And that's what happened to those women. And we took them in and we kept them in our churches. You know, it's happening all over the place. You know, every, every wife has been beaten up and, and thrown out of the house. Unless they confess that they will not believe Jesus Christ. And if they deny Christ, they can stay back. If they didn't, 
So they were all staying in our various churches. And I was wondering, what am I going to do with all these women? So the Lord gave me a plan. So God said to me, I wanted to teach, teach them a trade while they are with you. So that's how I started the sewing school. So the first sewing school I, I started, I, I appointed a lady to teach them. And uh, so when they graduated, in those days, I was not giving them a piece of paper, but I gave them a, a sewing machine as a gift. So they can go back and, and start a living. And uh, it was a gift for them. So the more and more women were kicked out, the more and more sewing schools I started. And now I'm having, as I said, 65 sewing schools. We are literally training a thousand women every day in all these sewing schools together. Well, we don't have that much money to buy a gift as a sewing machine anymore. But whatever money I find uh, is given, I use it to buy the sewing machines for these, for these women. And a very interesting thing is, all through these years, literally hundreds and hundreds of women have been thrown out of the homes. And all these guys running around with a knife in their hands, trying to kill the pastors, saying that you messed up my family life and all that. But we keep on praying for them. We keep on praying for the pastors to get, uh, the, the husbands to get saved. And the good news is we have not lost even one husband till date. We prayed every one of those guys into the kingdom of God. And we send back a better wife. You know, she has learned to sew. Sometimes they're having a sewing machine so that she can be a great blessing to earn some money for the family. Amen? We run several schools and uh, uh, feeding the people. We do all kinds of stuff. And uh, my main focus is to reach India for Jesus Christ. Amen? A nation that has millions of people, multi-millions, who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ even once. So if you know anything about the unreached people groups, they call about the 1040 window and all that. That is India and the northern part of India where millions have never heard the gospel. And that is my heart. That is my passion. I want to make sure that every person should know Jesus Christ. They should be given a choice to make. They should know that Jesus came and he died for them on the cross of Calvary. So they do not need to live and die in their sin and go to a place called hell where you and I don't want to go. I believe they must be given the choice. They must hear. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And then he puts a challenge to us. And how will they call upon him whom they have never believed? And how will they believe on him whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach without being sent? So that's a teamwork. We all have to get together and work together. That's the only way the kingdom of God can be established. There must be somebody to send. And there must be somebody to go. To preach so that they can hear and believe and open their heart. And open their mouth and confess. And they will be saved. Amen. That's what we want to, has, to see happen 
and thank God that it has been happening and God was doing marvelous things all through these years. Amen. Well, some bad news. Last one year, we have been having a Hindu government, you know, which is headed by a prime minister who is an openly anti-Christian person. And after he has taken over, we got so much of persecution has multiplied right across the nation of India. For instance, I live in New Delhi, next to his house, not really, but you know, in the same city. So there, for the first time, six churches were burned down and vandalized. It's like, it's like Washington, D.C. You expect people to have some brains. You know, it never happened. For the first time, it happened there. And then, of course, all through the nation of India, pastors have been beaten up, killed, hundreds of churches being burned down and destroyed. And uh, the Hindus have started up another program they call homecoming. That is reconverting the Christians back into Hinduism. So they go to these poor Christians in the villages, threaten to kill their families, and they, have to, they ask them to come. They sit them down, they bring all the media, and then they'll make them to say, it was wrong for us to go after Jesus Christ. We are Hindus, we are coming back home. So this they started to do everywhere. And uh, so the challenges are so high. And, uh, and the attack on the Christians are terrible these days. Uh, one of the horrible uh, killings that I was sharing with Jeremy was uh, they kidnapped a, a pastor and his wife and they took them into the jungle and there they wanted them to deny Christ and fall before the idol and, and worship the idol, which they said no. And in front of his wife, they cut the head of the pastor. Literally the head was severed of his body. And they were not satisfied with that. And they cut open the rib cage and they pulled the heart out literally and they squeezed the blood on the Bible and they said, this is what we want to do to every Christian in this country. And uh, so there's lots of fear. Uh, there's lots of apprehensions in the hearts of the pastors and believers. So my biggest problem and my biggest work is to, to encourage my pastors and the people and to tell them this is the attack of the enemy. If this is not the prime minister, this is not the Hindu party, this is nothing to do with that, this is the enemy. The devil is trying to stop us. He's trying to put fear in our hearts. He's trying to say that your business thing is over, your gospel work is over, your winning souls is over, you cannot do it, we'll destroy. So it is the attack from him and we will not be frightened. We will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will not back off. We will stand for what God has called us. And we will press on. And we will move on to, to finish the job that God has given to us. Because God is on our side. And his angels are around us. And God will take care of our lives. And at the end, we will win. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what I challenge my people. So that they can stand up and do the work of God together. Amen. And God has been good to us. We are trying to relocate that wife and these three children into the place, build a small house for them. She was a devastated woman. It's almost like a mad woman. You know, she, she can't even think straight anymore. 
and we are trying to tell her these three kids she has to live for and uh, trying to help her out. Amen? And that's the bad news. The good news is Jesus is moving on and doing great things in the nation of India. You know, I shared with you last year uh, a revival that started off in a tiny little church of 40 people in a small village of 400 people. It has grown in the last two years from 40 to 10,000 people. That's good news, don't you think? Hallelujah. Amazing miracles, born blind receiving sight, lame walking like the book of Acts, and people have been raised from the dead, you know? I was telling that somebody, they have raised two people from the dead, and the pastors were telling, no, 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 pastor, no, no, it's not two, it is seven, you know? I said, seven? I said, that's it. I said, no more raising the people from the dead. <laughs> I said to them, what are you doing? Don't you have any idea that we are living in a country with 1.25 billion people? And one of the ways of keeping the population under control is when somebody dies, we keep them in the grave. We don't raise them up all the time. I didn't say that. <laughs> so God is doing amazing work. And uh, by the help of the churches here, we were able to build a pavilion for them. Before that, we were in an open, open land, you know. Uh, people come there, uh, 2,000, every, every meeting there. And I was there one monsoon. You have the rain today? This is nothing. This is what we call a drizzle, you know. Uh, our monsoon means it's just like God is sitting there with a bucket, throwing the water down, you know. And... Uh, so that's is non-stop, and our meetings are six hours, you know, from 10 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the evening, right? So here is a pouring rain, and I'm standing there, I'm preaching my normal message of 90 minutes. You're in for a treat tonight, right? <laughs> Just for you to know, we're not going home that easy, okay? And uh, so... You know, and there God was doing amazing things and, and pouring rain. And people are just sitting on the ground, okay? And there's this water, rain water just flowing through, just mud everywhere. And all these people are, are sitting there. And if we happen to pray for somebody, there they are slain in the spirit, right under the mud, you know? Complete mud all over them. And here people are there crying, craving for God. They want God to touch them, heal them, set them free. Nobody cares about the rain. Nobody cares about the mud underneath. Nobody cares. All they want is God in their life. Amen? Such a hunger. And the thing is like, it is not like, okay, let's sing the three songs. Or let's just crank it up. Okay. But the third song, they'll just get a bit revived. They'll start singing with us. It's not that deal here. You know, it's like if you stand out before the meeting, you look, and the people are coming, they're not walking, everyone is running towards the meeting. They don't want to miss out anything. They're running, and they come here, and it's, like, it's not like, let's kick start, it is already started. It started, people are getting saved. People are crying, they're running to the altar to give their hearts to the Lord. And you look here, the people are saying, I'm healed, my pain is gone, my, my, my cancer disappeared, I can see, I, you, can, you hear all these things happening. You're not praying for anybody. 
and the demons are crying screaming out saying it is too hot it's too hot i can't stay here i will leave i will leave why you know when you are worshiping god the place gets hot for the devil amen and so that's what's happening six hours go so quickly and and now that revival is spilling into another church about six, 60 miles away we started an orphanage and a church there and now it is grown to 500 people in six months and growing so strong amen and god is doing amazing work and as i said we ask for the support of the pastors you know when i'm talking about pastors i'm talking about these men who have given their life for the lord you know who have who have dedicated their life for the worst in their life you know i look at them as my greatest heroes of my life you know so i say when i say would you please find the $2 a day, that $60 in the month, that'll change the life of a pastor and his family, and you can bless them with that money. And we have brought some pastor's cards with us. We got some brochures, and all those things are somewhere, where are we? It's out here, uh, right, out there on a the table. Uh, Mary Bramer is here, and she will be there to help you. She'll be willing to write you and take you in and give you an orphan or a pastor to take back with you and God will really bless you. And I promise you that eternity will reveal the reward. Amen? One of the things that happened, which I will call maybe the highlight of my whole life. I turned 62. Can I have a little bit of water? <coughs> And my wife and my children were saying, you're getting old, time for you to slow down. And I thought they were right. Maybe they are right. So I thought maybe I should. But before this talk came up, I have already given lots of commitments to go and preach in different places. <coughs> so I started off by the 3rd of January. I went through for a month, nonstop, different places, 600 miles a year, 720 miles a year, like that. <clears throat> and I wanted to check it out. How much distance I have traveled between the 3rd of January to the 1st of February, 28 days. And I was shocked to find that I have traveled 16,000 miles in India. Mostly trains and buses and jeeps. Uh, two, three times I flew, but most of the time on the road. And I thought, wow, I did it. Then I realized you know, age is after all a number, you know. So anyway, I saw so many things happen. You know, this is all gospel meetings, and you know, getting people saved. And So I got a format of the meeting, like when I, I preach a gospel message, and I give an altar call to the people, and uh, they come and give their hearts to the Lord. And then I pray a mass prayer for the healing. For the people who are sick in their bodies, I pray, and the Lord heals them then I'll take uh, testimonies from them. And the last one is, uh, after the service is over, still people will line up in front of the, the uh, platform wanting me to lay hands and pray for them. So I do that too, they'll be happy. So I'm doing this in this village 
And I'm praying from one end, and I came to the middle of the platform, and there was a young couple standing, and I thought the woman was holding a small bundle wrapped up because January is the coldest month of a winter for us. And when I got closer, she put that in my hand, and I realized it was not a package. It was a tiny little baby, 20 days old. I was holding the baby. I'm saying, what am I going to do with this baby? And, and I said, what's wrong with this baby? And she said, the baby is almost dead. And uh, I said, what do you mean? They said, by the time when the child was born, the, the vital organs were not working. The child cannot see. The child cannot hear. So it's only a matter of time uh, to die. So we heard about the meeting. So we brought this child to, for prayer. So we had about 50, 60 men were standing with them as one group. So I was holding this baby. And by the way, I became a grandfather last year by September. Eh? My, sister, my daughter had the first grandson. His name is Daniel. And when he was born, I was not home. But when I got back, he was 24 days old. So my daughter put the little baby in my hand. And I held it for two seconds. I said, I think you should take it back, you know. I gave the child back. And, uh, and I'm holding this baby and I'm thinking. I said, but my grandson, Daniel, nothing wrong with him. He's healthy. He's a happy child. But here I'm holding a baby. Maybe he almost is dead or almost dying. So I started crying for the babies. And I started praying. And I, I started praying for the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ to touch that baby. I command the child to be healed. I declared healing power to flow through every organ. And every organ will start working again. And I pray the Lord will bring back life into that child. I prayed and finished the prayer. And I gave the child back to the mother and said, you know, I wanted to go home and I'll be here tomorrow night also. And tomorrow morning I want you to inform me what happened to this child. Good or bad, I want to know. So please call the pastor and tell him. Anyway, I was living in a, staying in a little hotel. The next day about noon, the pastor came and knocked at my door. And I opened the door and I hear they were jumping up and down, holding the phone in his hand. And he said, Pastor, I got the call. The child is healed. The child is healed. I said, wait a minute. How do you know the child is healed? He said, well, you know, the child has never cried. But this morning, the child cried for the first time. And the mother gave some milk and the child drank the milk and the child opened the eyes and the child started moving his arms. I said, that's good news. And then they took the child to the doctors. And the doctor said, Who you I don't want you to come. What's that, the child? The child should be dead and gone. What are you doing? And the child was there and the, and the child is looking at the doctor, you know. The child never opened the eyes before that. So they put the child through all the tests and they found out that every organ is working and the child has been perfectly healed. Amen? Hallelujah. I've seen thousands of healings of every kind of sickness and disease. But to me, that was the greatest thing that have ever happened in my whole ministry. So I moved on. I went to the next state. And about two weeks later, there's a man who came from that village. And he met with me and he said, Pastor, the child ah, is so healthy and you will never say this child, this was the same child that was dying. I said, oh, that's a wonderful news. And he said, there's something more to the story. I said, I'm happy with this story. I don't want anything more. He said, no, 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 you have to hear this. I said, okay, tell me what is the more story. He said, you know, you remember the group of men 
who was standing there with this couple, oh, yeah, they all went together. They must be from the same village. Yeah, 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 but they were not Christians. They were the Hindu militants. They came saying, if the child is not here tonight, we will kill that man. Well, that's what they came. I said, thank goodness I did not know that, you know. <laughs> then my prayer won't be very effective after that, will it? So anyway, I didn't know. So anyway, they went back because I told the mother, I'll be here tomorrow, and you let me know what happened to the child. So they went back saying, if the child is not healed by tomorrow, we know where to find him, we'll come back for him. So anyway, the story is, as you heard, the child was healed. When the child was healed, these men and the whole village opened their hearts, and they received Jesus Christ, and all they became Christians. Amen? Hallelujah. And that became overnight a Christian village. And these guys were militant towards Christianity. Now they were standing for Jesus. And they were saying, nobody in this village will ever pray to any other God. There'll be only one God in this village, that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I said, I, I like that. Amen? So that was the story. And I thought, God is doing marvelous things like this because he's not done with India. I want you to pray with me and believe God with me and God will bless you. Amen? Well, time for us to go home. But I want to still preach. So, you're not going home. All right? So, I'll take a little bit of time because we have to drive a long way back to Grand Rapids. So, you only have got to go somewhere close by, right? So, just hang in with us, would you? So, I want to preach a short message from the uh, book of Psalms. Can you find the book of Psalms? Do you use, use Bibles these days? Oh, whatever silly thing you have, iPad, U-pad, you know, iPhone, U-phone, no phone, I don't care. Find something. And uh, the only thing with iPhone and all that is, I'm not very sure whether they are looking at the Bible in there or are they playing games. That's the only thing that worries me, anyway. <clears throat> Psalm 30, verse 5. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. The Bible says, for his anger is just for a moment. But his favor is for life. I always wonder every time I read this verse, how about we, we reverse this verse? And then how will this verse will read? You'll read something like this. His favor is just for a moment. But his anger is for life. If that's the case, what will happen to us? He, if, if his anger is horrible. His anger is hard to handle. That's the reason why God has chosen to keep his anger for a moment. Amen? In, in Psalm 2, if we read the last verse, it'll say something like this. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And if he gets angry, then it says, 
then you will perish on the way. So blessed is the man who put his trust in him. Amen. What is kissing the sun means? <clears throat> is that what it is? No. Kissing the sun means love him with all your heart and live for him. Be obedient to him and, and walk with him and, and be, be pleasing before his sight. That's what it means. Kissing the sun. Otherwise, let's see be angry. If he gets angry, we got troubles. He said, we will perish on the way. That means we will not make it to the place we are, ought to get. Amen? The, the Bible here and there touches the anger of God. He gets angry, thousands of people are killed. He gets angry, the fiery serpents come and, uh, and bite them and kill them. He gets angry that the, the earth opens up and swallows the people. These are all anger which was created by you and me. God doesn't want to get angry. God doesn't want to get upset, but the Bible says they provoked him to anger. And when he, the anger comes up, then it is, it is like a fire. It eats us up. And that's why God has chosen that his anger should not last long because there'll be nothing left. So he has chosen to keep his anger, but for a moment. Amen? But his favor is for life. So I'm not here to talk about the anger tonight, but I'm talking about his favor for the next few minutes. Is that okay? The Bible says his favor is for life. That means from the day that you're born, the day that you will die, his favor will follow you through. Amen? But the very interesting thing is, when everything is going on well for us, we don't care for his favor. We think that I can handle it myself. You know, only when we are in trouble, only when you are in need, we tend to look for God. We look for his favor. We look for his provision. We look for his protection. But God has chosen to say this, you have got no idea. When things are going well for you, you think, that your whole life is going to be like this. No. Every person's life will be on different stages. And there'll be good times and bad times. There'll be health or sickness. There'll be money or no money. Business going well and business struggling. You'll be going through different stages of your life. That means you will need me here and there. So God has chosen to keep his favor permanently with you for life. So that you don't need to look for him when you're really in trouble. Do you like that? Well, you don't like anything tonight, what I'm saying. Amen? You're so upset because I'm preaching, right? How many of you have been looking at the clock? Huh? You were. I knew that. It's quarter past seven. What's wrong with you? Huh? Quarter past eight? Well, it's okay. All right, I want to take the life of Joseph. And I want, I, I want to close my Bible. Is that okay? So that'll give you a false security that pa, he's going to finish preaching. You know? Because that's what the preachers do, right? Half the way through and they're about to finish, they close the Bible, they look at the watch, and you're saying, praise the Lord, but I don't look at the Bible too much. So this is just for your sake, I close the Bible. But now you listen to my preaching. Is that okay? All right. 
I want to take the life of Joseph. I want to divide that into four parts. And uh, every, every part of his life, he was wearing a special jacket. So every jacket shows the type of stages that he was in his life. And I want to prove to you that his favor was there all the time. And we are going to pray. Is that okay with you? I'll run it quickly. I don't have any notes. I don't need to look at that. I don't need to make the jokes that I've written. I don't need to make that four points. Nothing is there. If you get upset and tired, just look at me and say, shut up, and we'll finish it and go home. Is that a good deal? No, everyone's saying, is this serious? Eh? No, I'm not serious. So, <laughs> so Joseph, the favored son among the 12, Jacob loved him. And even... You know, all the children knew that the father loved Jacob, Joseph. And to add to all these things, he made him a multicolored jacket. I always wondered, that will be looking like a clown. You know, I've never seen a multicolored jacket except in the circus where the clown will be wearing that. But, you know, you never know these days, you know, the, the fashion is in such anything and everything sells. Maybe in, in those days it was a multicolored jacket. Pretty fancy deal. So he stitched it for him and put it on him and, the, and his brothers hated him all the time. So the multicolored jacket speaks about the time in the life of Joseph where he was prosperous. There he was enjoying the love, the affection, the prosperity of his father, the family. Everything was going on well. This is one of those times, like we are sometimes in our life, that we don't need God. Because when do we need God? Everything is here. What all I wanted is given to me. And there's food on the table. There's, everything is there in the house. Protection of my family, everything. I do not need God in my life. That's what we feel many times. But God knows better. So God says, no, you might feel that you don't need me. You might feel that you are in prosperity. You are protected. You've got everything. But how about I keep my favor anyway? Amen? So God kept the favor in the life of Joseph, even though he was in this in the stage of a multicolored jacket where he had everything, but God knows that his whole life is not going to be this multicolored jacket stage. It's going to be gone sometime. Soon things are going to change. So God decided to keep his favor for Joseph. You know, my message for you tonight is this. Many times that you and I go through stages in life, sometimes it's such a big struggle. Sometimes it's like a hardship. Sometimes it is almost we are finished. But I want you to know tonight that God is giving us assurance that his favor is for life. Amen? That's my message for you, my dear friends. I look at my dear friend Jeremy. And there he was, a young man, he still is. You know, with nothing, no, nothing wrong with him. And he was he's enjoying his life, but suddenly... There he finds himself with a, with a physical problem, which is beyond his thinking. And he has to go through all the operations, which we all know. 
But the good news is this. When he was happy and healthy, when everything was going on well for him, strong, his favor was there. But even then when he was in the hospital bed, when they were operating on his body, when they were talking about all the stuff that, did, that could go wrong and everything, and even at that time, God's favor was with him. Amen? Now he is out of the hospital, recuperating from, from what he has gone through. But the good news is his favor is still there. Amen? So the story goes on. And uh, one bunch of hating brothers, one loved one, Joseph, and they have gone to look after the sheep and, and the father sends him with some food for, to go and find out the welfare of the brother. So he goes. And he goes there and they saw him coming at a distance. And they said, here comes the dreamer. Because God has already given him two dreams, right? And uh, so ever since that time, he has got a nickname, and they called him Dreamer. Do you know that sometimes people call you nickname? Right? If you're a Christian, and if you say hallelujah, sometimes they say, oh, hallelujah is going. Hey, that praise the Lord is coming, you know? They give us a name, the way that we behave, the way the things that we say, and we get a name for ourselves. And they said, let us kill him and throw him into the pit and let us see what will come of his dreams. What I'm sharing in the next five, ten minutes is a story from, from chapter 37 to chapter 50, okay? You can check me out and go and read all the 13 chapters. Then you'll find, oh, he was telling the truth, okay? But I'm just running it through quickly. So they said, let us see what will come of his dreams, and God was listening to this. When they challenged the dreams, God said, somebody's talking about my dreams? And God said, no, nobody's going to touch that guy because I have given him a dream. And no, nothing will happen to him until my dream is fulfilled in his life. Amen? So how to have a safe and secure life for yourself? The secret is this. Get a dream from God. And if, until the dream is finished, you are pretty safe. Amen? When the dream is over, well, it's done. But till that time, nobody can touch you. Like I always say, nobody touches me until God wants me to finish the job with me. Amen? Anyway, Reuben says, no, you cannot kill him. And so they threw him into the, into the pit, no water. And they stripped his multicolored jacket. So that was the end of the stage of the multicolored jacket. And they took that jacket, killed an animal, dipped it in the blood, took it to the father. So here suddenly Joseph realized multicolored jacket is not for my whole life. There's more to life than the multicolored jacket. So what happened? Then they took him out and they sold him as a slave to the merchants who were going to Egypt. And in the place of the multicolored jacket, they put him a jacket of a slave and they put chains in his hands and his legs and they dragged him to Egypt. Amen? Suddenly life changed. How long it takes for the things to go wrong? How long it takes for things to change? Doesn't take long. 
and there one fine morning there he was wearing the multicolored jacket the beloved of the father now being dragged with a with a with a jacket of a slave going towards the land of egypt and there he was sold as a slave to a, a man by name potiphar and there he was in his house working as a slave wearing a slave jacket and the bible says but god was with him amen what does that mean it means the favor of god was with him hallelujah and the bible says god blessed the house of potiphar because of joseph do you have any idea the places where you're working that place is blessed because of you amen it is not because of anything that they know all your boss what is doing there it's only because you and the god that is with you makes your hospital to prosper makes your office to prosper makes the business where you're working to prosper because it is you that bring the prosperity can you say a little amen sometime thank you for those three people i i love that amen some of you i know you have come from a house and you have made a decision before god god i don't care what the indian guy asked me to do ask me to say i will not say a word i will not answer him is that what you decided anyway so here he was and there was a temptation in his life and the temptation was the wife of the potiphar the man she wanted to sleep with him and he's always after him one day she took hold of his jacket pulled him and he runs away from the before that he says to her like this hey woman your husband my boss he has given everything in my hand everything is under my control except you because you are his wife and then he makes a statement and he said how could i ever do an evil like this in the presence of my god amen there was not a soul to to looking there it's all private if you would have yielded to the temptation if you would have committed sin he would have got a promotion over there the wife would have given a great recommendation to give him a, a better salary but here is a man he is standing for god because he enjoys god's presence and he knows for sure his favor is with him amen so what happens that favor of god was with him not to take care of him all the time and make everything nice and rosy that's not the way it works many times friends when you and i stand for god amazingly instead of a promotion that you get you might lose your job have you realized that huh and you're sitting there and sulking and say <laughs> i love god see what has happened it happened you because you love god amen friends that's what happens but god is there with you and because he stood for righteousness they falsely accused him and there he was thrown into the prison for what for standing for god amen hallelujah you know there are temporal bad things happen when you and i stand faithful to god but it is not permanent but god is testing us proving us putting us through the mill because one day he has got a plan which is far greater 
and far marvelous than anything that you have ever known and he wants to make you ready for that. Amen? We are being prepared only through the trials, through the troubles, through the temptation that we go through and that is what builds character in us. That's what builds the character in the life of Joseph. Amen? And there he was thrown into the prison. He goes into the third stage of his life where they took off the jacket and they gave him another jacket which is what you call the prison clothes. Right? Have you seen them? They walk, they put this thing on and everybody is carrying this. Have you seen it? Yeah? So this is the third stage of his life wearing the prisoner's jacket. And there he was inside the prison. And you read through that there in chapter 38, 39, there we read like this. But God was with him. Amen. Friend, friend, friends, to others it is a prison. But to you, it's God's favor. Amen. How do you want to look at your life? You want to look at your life like the people are looking at you? People are feeling so sorry for you. Oh, look at that guy. He must have done something wrong. Otherwise, how could he end up in the prison? Oh, what, what too bad. The world might feel sorry for you. But if you have got a revelation of who your God is, if you know that his favor is there, you don't need to be frightened because he's there with you, even in the prison. But the Lord was with him. Amen? Hallelujah. When the Lord is with you, there is a ministry for you. Amen. The ministry is not only in the town, but also in the prison. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And there you are, become a man who can understand the dreams and interpret the dreams. And he did that to a butler and a baker of the king who were put in the prison. And, uh, and it all came to pass. And the baker was killed and the butler was reinstated. And as he was walking out, you know, Joseph was saying, would you please put a little word to the king and get me out of this place? There's a kind of a human thing comes out, you know, in every one of our life, but it doesn't matter because we are all human beings. You know, we try to help God sometimes, but God makes sure that he doesn't take your help. Amen? Do you realize that? We say, maybe I needed to go, maybe this, this is the way out. God says, no, 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 this is not the way out. And we see that he just wiped out from his memory Joseph. He could not even remember that guy until about two years later, the king dreamt a dream. And all the soothsayers and all the witchcraft uh, guys and all the witch doctors, everybody was brought in. All the magicians, nobody was able to give the meaning of the dreams. And at that time, the Bible says, God brought back to his memory Joseph who was in the prison. Amen? Friend, God has got always a time to do things in our life. We cannot hurry him. We cannot twist his arms. We cannot push him. You cannot cry. You cannot throw tantrums. You cannot do anything. You can try, but he will not change. He will wait for his time. That's the only time he will do things. Amen? So he said, I'm so sorry. I should have told you about this man long time ago. There's a man by name Joseph. He can do it. He gave my dreams. The, 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 the meaning was right. So the king said, go and bring him. So Joseph was brought before the king. And the king says, you know, 
It has been told about you that you can understand any dreams and give the meaning of it. None of these guys. I tried all of them in the country. Nobody is able to do it, but you can do it. I always used to wonder, if I was Joseph, what I would have said. I would have said something like this. You are right, king. You are right. I, I know you are a wise king. You are right. I'm the only one. You got no other hope. I'm the one. That's what you would have said too. Right? That's why we are not Josephs, are we? Right? But what did Joseph say? Joseph looked at the king and he said, No, you're wrong. You're wrong. He says, Nothing is in me. I cannot give you the meaning. It's not me. But may the God of peace give you the answer of peace. Amen? He was giving glory to God because he knows it is God who does the thing. Amen? He gave the meaning of the dreams. And he didn't stop there. Then he goes on and he gives an advice of how to wait through the seven years of famine that was about to come. And the king listened to all these things. All his cabinet, everybody's sitting and listening. And then the king said like this, can we find a man like this in whom the spirit of God is? Amen. And he said, we, I'm going to appoint him the number two next to me. And he's going to sit on the right hand of my throne. And he said, bring me the royal robe. Amen. That's the last robe stage for him. They brought the royal robe and put it on Joseph. Amen. And you have to understand, the royal robe is far better than the multicolored jacket. Amen. Joseph thought that was the best he could ever have. Joseph thought that is it. But he went through stages. He was a slave. He was a prisoner. But God knew it because God kept his favor. Right from the day he was born. Right from the time he had the multicolored jacket. And right from the time that he was favored and loved and pampered and and protected with all the prosperity. God said, keep my favor. It will be good for you. And as he got out into the next stage of being a slave, God's favor continues on. When he was put on shackles and when he was drawn towards Egypt, we read that in the book of Psalms. It says like this, God sent a man. His name was Joseph. They, they put fetters in his hands and his legs. And they dragged him towards Egypt. But they thought that they got a slave. They thought that they got a boy, a man who nobody can help. But God was with him. God walked with him. His favor went with him. He was whispering in his ears, you are never alone because I am with you. My favor will cover you. My favor will protect you. And I'll walk with you. And now he's standing there with a, with a royal robe on him. And the king whispered in his ears like this, you know what? Only for the name's sake I am the king. But you are the real one. Whatever you do, Whatever you say will be done in this country and your words will go and you will run this country because God's favor is in you. Amen. Hallelujah. And he was ruling the country, taking care of the land of Egypt. And I'm about to finish in two minutes. Is it okay? All right. 
trust me this time. Okay? And there, his, his, bro his brothers came. Hajj, one day, one day if you ever come, if we are going to have a 10 hour, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock meeting, I would like to talk about Joseph in a, in a, in a stretched manner. An amazing story. I think the greatest drama I can see, you know, him meeting with his, with his, with his brothers, you know, playing the games, you know, asking the Benjamin to come, putting that, putting that, uh, uh, the vessel in his hand, bringing them, putting the guy in the prison, sending that, you know the story? And finally it comes to the culmination and there he brought them and they're all eating together and he was looking at all his brothers, his, his little brother Benjamin, he could not hold himself and he started crying. And he said, get everybody out of the house and he's going to reveal himself and he's crying. And the people of the boys were thinking, why is he crying? And he turns around to them and he says, don't you see me? I'm Joseph, your brother. Oh God, we thought we killed him. <laughs> they were not happy. You know, they were petrified. Here is a guy who is a ruler who can do anything. He's just said he's the brother. And he's saying that I'm the brother whom you sold. He's, oh my God, he remembers everything. <laughs> and he said like this. I want to finish it there. He looked at them and he said, don't, don't blame yourself. Don't be upset with you for what you did. Because it says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen? He learned to see the favor of God. He learned to understand God's favor in every situation of his life. Amen? His anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. What is my message for tonight, you know, because I'm speaking to a bunch of people. I have no idea which stage you are in. Maybe you are in the multicolored jacket stage, you know, enjoying yourself. Or maybe you are in the stage of being a slave. You know, you lost everything. You know, the prosperity is gone. Your security is gone. You're lonely within yourself, struggling for your life, like wearing the jacket of a slave. Or maybe you are in the prison. Just bound. There you are. Lost everything. Wearing the jacket of the prisoner. But my message for you is this. No matter where you are today, the favor of God is there. God's favor is for you. You are never left alone. Nobody can touch you and destroy you. No matter what they try, how much they try. Because God has chosen to keep his favor with you and me all through our life. Because one day, you'll wear that royal robe. Amen? One day, all your troubles will be gone. All your problems will be gone. You'll be standing there. And God will whisper in your ears and say, you know how this happens? It's my favor. It's my favor. I believe that no born-again Christian has got any right to complain and murmur and blame God because you're going through some tough trouble. You're going through some problems. You're going through some financial difficulties. You're going through some physical sicknesses. We don't need to worry or complain about anything because I want you to know, in spite of any stage that you're in, His favor is there. Amen? 
Stand with me and lift up your hands towards heaven. And we are going to thank God for his favor. We are going to say, Lord, I thank you. I did not realize. When things go wrong, I thought that you left me. When the thing was going wrong, I thought that you don't care for me. I thought that you don't, you, you don't love me anymore. But now I know your anger is only but for a moment. But your favor is for life. Now I understand, no matter what stages that I go through, there is no change in you. There is no change in your favor. Your favor is there for me always. And now, now I choose to believe in your favor. I will not be a murmurer anymore. I will not complain for the little things that had go wrong in my life anymore. I will not protest against you because things were not going the way that I wanted. But today I realize that you are a God whose favor is there for me all through my life. Are you happy with that? Eh? A God who gives his favor all through our life. Father, we stand before your throne. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I don't know which stages they are in, but I want, one thing I know, your favor is just there for them because you have chosen to keep the favor from the day that we were born until the day, day that we die. No matter what stages we go through, Lord, your favor will be always there. And God, write it in the tablet of our hearts. Help every one of us to know and to believe that God is never, has never left me alone. He will never walk away from me. His favor is always there for me. Anything that goes wrong is not because of his anger, because his anger is just for a moment. I believe in your favor, Lord. I will love you and I'll walk with you and I'll glorify your name in my life. Father, I bless you tonight. We thank you, God. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. God bless you.